Welcome to my two guests to discuss today's many headlines. Enzio von File, Capital Preservation Specialist at Financial Shield. Good morning, Enzio. Good morning, Stephen. And Dweefor Evans, the head of APAC Macro Strategy at State Street Global Markets. Good morning, Dweefor. Hello, Stephen. Good morning to you. Good morning. Well, I apologise, Ivas. I'm having real microphone issues here. It's going up and down like a yo-yo. Anyway, let's start off with today's top headline. What are your reactions on what, well, what's coming out of the Xi and Biden meeting or what you expect to come out? Who should start? Oh, Stephen. <laughs> let's start with Enzio. Oh, OK. So I'm Enzio, so OK. <laughs> I'll there give we it go. A try. Let's start with you um, then, Enzio. I think that talking is better than jousting. I think that climate change has been a big topic. The others that I hope will be discussed, maybe not even reported on, are very much Taiwan presenting the downside of conflict to the lowest level of cost. In other words, you, you want to get sort of the cheapest solution to avoid conflict at all costs the China's fentanyl exports to America, and the, very importantly, the reopening of military communications between both sides, which kind of got botched when Nancy Pelosi decided to go off to Taiwan a couple of years Correct, ago. Now, yeah. all in all, Beijing wants to buy time to cope with China's economic problems, and the U.S. wants to demonstrate the efficacy of its proposed model for managing competition with China. Those are the two sort of anchors. In other words, the Chinese want time to get their economy going again, and the Americans want to prove that their model is actually quite effective. I love that quote, Enzio. Talking Thank is you. better than jousting. I am going yes. to steal that from you and use it regularly. Do, do. I, can't, I haven't <laughs> trademarked it yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you might have your IP on it. Do we for? Yes. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I can't, I can't trump that one, actually. Talking is better than jousting. Actually, the, the first... The first reaction is actually quite a positive one. Um, the, 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 the comments that have come out about restoring military communication is actually very important. Um, but in a way, what I think we need to look at, obviously, is between the lines, some of the stuff that has not been mentioned, some of the stuff that has not yes. been talked about. Um, there wasn't a great deal on Taiwan. Okay. Uh, we have a Taiwan election in January. I, I thought the fact that there was, there was hardly anything explicit on Taiwan uh, suggested that there are obviously still miles apart in terms of how the U.S. and China actually consider the, the, the Taiwan, Taiwan situation. And that's going to be ongoing. So we can talk as positively as we want about things like military communication, um, the, the increased flights and some of the, the, the pharmaceutical issues around fentanyl. That's, that's all very positive. But what was not expressed, I think, was, was important as well, Taiwan first and foremost on that. One comment, actually, that um, Xi Jinping made, which I thought was really quite notable, is when he actually said that planet Earth is large enough to accommodate both the China and the US. Now, that might sound like a nice little soundbite, but actually he said something very similar a few years ago. But a few years ago, he said that the Pacific is large enough to accommodate both the China and the US. So okay. the fact that he's actually moved from the Pacific to planet Earth actually suggests, of course, a sort of expansionary idea that China has of its role in the world. So I thought that was quite an interesting little takeaway as well. And another very interesting quote. I think you're neck and neck for quote of the day. We'll see who wins at the end. Um, but I, I think it was quite interesting when uh, President Biden, just uh, about an hour or so ago, popped his head out um, and was very positive because up to now, both leaders have been managing expectations. So is that a positive sign, Enzio? 
Well, I think it's always important to remember that all politics are domestic. And so mm. Biden can't be seen to be being too nice to China because of his this, this sort of hatred in America because all those bad Chinese commies are out to get us kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and she, of course, it equally cannot be seen to be too pro-American because then they're going to say, but you're wimping out with us here in China. So I think that I always kind of tend to look at these statements very much in that light. Um, but again, I think that talking is better than jousting. And I think that's kind of maybe the bottom line on all of this. Yeah. Well, let's see what pans out if there's any news as the show progresses we'll bring it to you and um we've got a discussion with barry later who's in the u.s so he can keep us updated too anyway yesterday's news of softer than expected u.s inflation i've got this visual enzio of the fed partying and champagne corks popping should they be celebrating well not really because actually the it's a little bit technical, but the overall inflation rate fell by about six times as much as the core inflation. And what that means basically is that the um, commodity prices fell six times as much as the stuff that the Fed is trying to control. The Fed is trying to control consumer spending, is trying to consume, is trying to control retail price inflation. That stuff has, actually hasn't been controlled as much as the drop in oil prices as the drop in food prices, which may be temporary. So I think that the Fed um, doesn't really, because it's so focused on looking only at the demand side of the equation, it's a little bit like trying to repair a car using knitting needles. Um, And what I mean by that is that it is not also addressing the supply side issues, like a lot of people don't want to work in America. So of course you've got rising wages, a bit like our maid situation in Hong Kong, or you have um, the oil price is simply being pretty stubborn because of the geopolitical mess that we've got. Well, that's not going to go away because they've hiked another Fed funds by, 20, by 25 basis points. Um, so, and then the weather, the sunspots, El Nino, La Nina, um, again, I think those issues cannot be controlled by the Fed. But the Fed is patently continues disregarding those issues and saying it's always just too much money chasing too few goods. That's just too blinkered in my mind. Hmm. And um, I think you've trumped the sayings with fixing a car with knitting needles. So well, well, well done for that one. Um, Dweefo, how, how do you want to build on that? Um, so I think obviously the Fed is going to be relieved with, uh, with, the, with the trend of inflation, but it probably won't be changing its tune very soon. The reason being yeah. that well, the, the problem with the Fed has right now is you know, we think about interest rates and policy rates, but actually the Fed and other central banks actually think more holistically about things like financial conditions, which is a broader measure. Uh, and again, I don't want to get technical here, but ultimately a weaker dollar, which is what we've had post the inflation numbers, uh, and also the pickup in some risk markets like equity markets, what that does in aggregate is it actually loosens financial conditions. Uh, and that's not what the Fed wants until mm. inflation is consistently lower. So because of that, even if the Fed will, won't hike again, and that's, that's pretty much the house view from us, the Fed will have to remain hawkish and won't change its rhetoric for fear of effectively driving market prices and market yields down and undermining some of the hard work that it's put in over the last 12 to 18 months to actually hike interest rates and tighten financial conditions. So mm-hmm. the language here won't change, even if the underlying numbers are moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they certainly don't want to 
create a self-fulfilling prophecy kind Just of thing. Just wanted to add, if yeah. I may, one thing, um, Stephen, that I think that a lot of falsely placed euphoria has gone into the bond market. That people think that the bond yields have now peaked, so it's time to buy the things. I'm not so sure because there's going to be a massive issuance of bonds going forward. The U.S. Treasury problems, of the, the debt problems in America that we're all only too aware of, the corporate debt that has to rise because of the worsting economic time in America. We just saw that with the data coming out yet again. So I think that those bonds, if you increase the supply of something, the price goes down. The price goes down, the yields go up. So I, one just wants to be a little bit cautious with our listeners not to go and load up too much on these Treasury bonds. Maybe the Treasury bills might be safer for now. No, good point. And um, NZO and Dweefor, I'm sure you could do a better job than the Fed themselves. Maybe we should try and get you over there. <laughs> sure. I don't drink, so I can't pop champagne. And then you won't be popping maybe, I don't know, fizzy green tea. That's the latest drink <laughs> for tea, non-alcoholics. Yeah, um, oh, there, was, there was a lot of China data out yesterday. What's it telling us about the health of the economy, Dweefor? Uh, things are stabilizing, which is good. Uh, things are moving in the right direction. So the, the question mark for the year has really been, will China meet its growth target? The answer to that is probably now yes. Yeah. Granted, the, the, the target was relatively low um, what, compared to what we've become accustomed to. I think the point that you made earlier and one, one of the comments that you made earlier regarding one of the, the, the sell side economists was, was important, though. The Golden Week holiday, the seasonal factors, the base effects compared to this time in 2022, they did help the numbers. Um, and mm. but what we have seen now, quite positive headlines in terms of the underlying numbers for the last couple of weeks. Uh, also, the medium-term lending facility, and this is the amount of liquidity that's been put onto the market, that was lower than expected yesterday. Uh, which reduces the prospects of another policy rate easing. But in a way, that's another signal from the authorities that they're a little bit more optimistic on the trajectory of the economy than they were maybe three or four months ago. So things are heading in the right direction. We are a little bit more positive on China than we were had we had this conversation a couple of months ago. The, the, the big elephant in the room, of course, continues to be the property sector. And much of what they're going to do policy-wise will have to be geared towards ensuring that there's no financial instability implications from the property sector. And that will will hang over the Chinese market for, for quite some time. But the underlying data otherwise, the macro data... Is looking, is looking better. Yeah, and uh, I guess with that 5%, that was set with the better to over-deliver than over-promise in mind, but it does look as if they're going to come spot on with that. Um, Enzio? Well, I'm a little bit less optimistic. I mean, I, yeah. I, I share Dreyfor's points, um, also with the property sector, of course, but I think that stepping back from all of that, the fundamental ideology of the Chinese government seems to be to centralize control within the Communist Party, and that very much is strangling that one sector that creates 80% of all Mm. employment, of course, the private sector. And as long as they keep on thrusting the private sector, not allowing it to create employment, or if the private sector sees the demand and necessity to create employment, I think the government, the market's going to be very much in the doldrums for, for quite sometime it, it risks a Japanification in its own way, aging population, slowing growth. So I'm suggesting to our clients not to buy into China at this story. There are other stories around that are more interesting than China, I'm afraid. 
Okay. Now that very much leads into my next question, which is there's a lot of changing dynamics in the market right now. What is use? Are you keeping a watch on? And are you seeing any opportunities? Now, lots of people are saying opportunities um, in China, but that's uh, different to what you're saying, Enzio. Okay. Well, I'll just continue then briefly. I think, first of all, that the what I was suggesting before, I think that the U.S. markets, they're they're really a little bit like on a on a bucking bronco basically two days ago we're, we're worried about higher rates now oh thank god the rates have gone down let's go bye 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 three days ago let's sell 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 so i think it's there's a lot of sort of directionless emotional hmm. buying and selling going on that that's a major headache okay the, the, I, we've got 10 seconds i just want to if you're okay enzio just move over to dweefo for a quick one yes absolutely thank you enzio dweefo Shall I finish with an optimistic tone? Yeah, um, please. Lower, lower inflation trends, rate hikes coming to an end, expectations from us of a weaker dollar, positioning in risk assets very underweight. Uh, let's not over-egg it, but actually things are looking much better for risk markets today than they were maybe a month ago. So we're going into the back end of the year that's okay. much more optimistic. Okay, thank you very much. And fixing a car with knitting needles wins. Well done, Enzio. Thank you to Enzio von File, Capital Preservation Specialist at Financial Shield, and Dwee Evans, the head of APAC Macro Strategy at State Street Global Markets. 